Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Welcome to this week's Attacking Scrum podcast. This is episode 25, I believe, Dan. We're on 25? About that, yeah. Yeah? Well, it's your job to keep count, mate. So Don't ask me. From here on in, I wouldn't mind if you if you just kept a closer eye on that. Gareth, you've probably got a better idea on what uh, episode is, isn't you? I'll go with you, though. Okay. All right. Well, with that in mind, you can probably hear we've got, we've got more than just uh, Dan tonight. We thought after that kind of epic struggle in the scrum um, over the weekend that we needed a strong tight five this week. So uh, joining me, we have Gareth Vaughan-Jones from London Welsh. Gaz, good to have you back. Glad to be back. And we've also, as we alluded to last week, uh, we've got Dad with us as well. Pleasure to make my debut. Yeah, it's good Good to win your first cap and a, uh, a loose head prop as well, so someone who knows his way around a scrum or two. Or ten. Or ten. <laughs> or ten. Uh, as usual, we'll also be having a chat with the mighty Murph, uh, who's with us. And making up the front five, the man who puts the tight into tight five, it's Dan Killick. Good evening. Yeah. How are you? I'm all right. A little bit battered and bruised. Are you? Yeah. Why is that? A couple of beers on there. Oh, yeah? A couple of beers on Saturday. Yeah, yeah I, had, I had a great phone call from someone who was with your party. I'm not entirely sure who it was, but it didn't seem to make much sense. I think, at, it, was, uh, I think it was Dav. Was it? Oh, could have been Gavin Ence in the way you were <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, one of the boys was, uh, was carried out of the Grand Union. And it was it was it Big Gav? Can you confirm or deny that? It, no, it wasn't Big Gav. He's a big man, but no. uh, Big Dave, Big Dave wants to And Gav's Gav's too busy concentrating on his on his new career with the Dragons now, anyway. So yeah. you know, he's, he's had a he's had a little mineral water watching that game. Don't you worry, <laughs> mate. He'll thirty five. He'll be back to his he'll be back to his absolute best. Right, we've got absolutely loads coming up tonight. We're going to be debating the big issues, reviewing the Six Nations. And uh, we'll also keep you up to date with the France versus Wales game, which I believe is still going on uh, <laughs> at 10 o'clock on a, on, a, on a Wednesday night. We're going to start then with a Six Nations review. And uh, we're going to start with uh, a man who I'm sure enjoyed that scrum fest as much as anyone. So we're going to catch up with the mighty Murph, who I had a little chat with earlier on. 
Here he is, the mighty Murph. How are you doing, Murph? Very well, mate. How are you? Yeah, not too bad, thanks. You, uh, you managed to recover from Saturday? Yeah, well, um, it was Friday was the bigger deal for me because it was uh, Chapman Gold Cup and then I went yeah. straight off the train to see Peter Hook and uh, got in a bit of a mess and then obviously back out for the same as lunchtime. So uh, I, I, I took, took it relatively easily on, on Saturday. So. Was that Peter Hook from Joy Division? Yeah, he did, he did Joy Division first half and you were the second half. And I, just, I, wasn't, um, I wasn't sure if you were mixing him up with James Hook, given your reputation for getting names wrong. <laughs> Uh, it's almost as if we planned that. <laughs> it is almost as if we planned that. I didn't even, I didn't even know you'd been to see Peter. But there we yeah, go. Pete, Peter Hooker signed for the Ospreys next year. <laughs> <laughs> With his low slung base. That's it. How not to, how not to run a rugby club. Um, <laughs> uh, right then, Murph. We've, uh, we're reviewing the, reviewing the Six Nations. And as always, we yeah. want to uh, get your take on it. So the floor is yours, mate. Far away. Well, uh, there's a, obviously, uh, after um, our game uh, uh, against France away on Saturday, I mean, that, you could take up three podcasts like, all the time. Yeah, exactly. Um, it was, oh, well, no one, no one has ever seen anything like it. I mean, it is, it is not much you can say. <laughs> that tells you everything you need to know. Not even like uh, the really old journalists who knock about like, uh, say, Peter Jackson, yeah. telling people how long he's been. <laughs> 50 years, I think, so, um, just by me, I mean, um, I, I, in a lot of ways, I mean, obviously I wanted us to win, but in a lot of ways, I like it when the <laughs> shows are an old-fashioned git curmudgeon I am. Mm. I like it when the side with the best scrum win. <laughs> yeah. I think loads of times, loads of times on Wales have played Australia, and they've been completely fudging every scrum, because they've yeah. been, not, not in recent years, but going past them. I know, going back to the Adam Jones era, certainly. Yeah, and they were just they were just hiding, just looking for the floor, looking for any excuse not to scrummage all the time, and they'd end up winning. And uh, that would always really go my back up because I think if you've got a massively dominant scrum, you should you should win. Yeah, in my in my eyes. That's it. Well, Ollie, uh, Ollie, who you've heard on the podcast uh, a mm-hmm. couple of times, he is very much of the same opinion. Being a being a member of the front row union, generally oh, yeah, speaking, I, th- I think he just yeah, thinks yeah. points should be given for uh, <laughs> points should be given for scrums won. Nothing awarded well, I mean, for tries. When I was a schoolboy watching rugby and I just got into rugby, it was if you had a, a, a scrum five and there was a, a, there was a dominant side, it was very difficult to stop them scoring. There was there was no, you know, tucking uh, tight to the bed. The most common thing for a side under pressure is a tight head just squeezes straight straight across the scrum and everything goes pear shaped and then it's reset again and again and again until the referee. Decides who, who he's going to penalise, like yeah. uh, tossing a coin, and um, I mean, it's part of the professionalism, I suppose, is that they, if precise under the caution the scrum, they just find do whatever they can to uh, get out of it. Well, it is, yeah. I mean, aside from uh, aside from the scrum, was there any kind of anything you noticed? Uh, anything you noticed about the game that you think kind of summed Wales up a bit? Yeah, just completely flat in midfield. Completely flat. Like uh, on both sides. I mean, uh, I'm not the first to say that that game was completely unfe- unforgettable for 79 minutes. You know, you wouldn't use 10 points in the game until the overtime because both sets of backs were really bland. I thought. Yeah. And um, yeah, the, the other thing, uh, it's not necessarily relating to that game, but it's one of our boys. Is I've just checked. Sam Warburton's now six to four on. Yeah, and, there uh, we go. Reined in from if you backed him, 20 to one anti-post. As uh, yeah, well. 
Doesn't talk to me about gambling. <laughs> oh yeah, we'd, be, we'd best not go into that, Murph. We'll save that one for yeah. another podcast, given a yeah. given how Cheltenham went. But uh, yeah. yeah, I mean, it makes um, it seems to make sense, doesn't it? Do you uh, do you agree with that? Do you think Sam would be the best best choice for the Lions? Um, yeah, probably. I mean, it, it's uh, six to four on Sam Wilson, and I think three to one on Farrell. Fourteen to one, Alamin Jones. So that that would yeah. suggest that it's, it's a done deal. So. When the plunge, if you like, came in from 20 to 1 to 2 to 1, I think someone had obviously seen Sam and, and uh, Gatland in a meeting. Yeah. And just put two and two together and just put their, their savings on, on 20 to 1. Um, that's how these things happen, I think. And uh, so I think it looks like it's a done deal if his price has crashed that much. Yeah, I think, uh, I think you're probably right. And Alan Jones probably hasn't come out of this tournament captaincy wise, having enhanced his reputation given what. You know, everyone, everyone had rated him so highly as such a leader. Probably wasn't yeah, his best tournament as a captain. No, there was Kickgate, and then he's come out of the last game with an injury, um, which was still waiting to hear on. I, I, was, I, I was actually with Griff watching the game, and his face was yeah. suicidal. Because the other thing with uh, the Ospreys is they don't know if their quarterfinal against Stade Francais is on or not. Yeah, of course. So... Um, there's a lot, a lot of imponderables for the Ospreys at the moment. So. Yeah, I bet. Um, what else have you, what have you noticed over the Six Nations then, Murph? What else has caught your um, eye? Caught my eye on this Saturday in the big decider. I, I don't know. I didn't check. Like I say, I was gambling was out the window by Saturday, but I didn't check the prices on uh, Ireland, England, and I, I should have because I, I don't, I don't know if there was any value in back in Ireland, but uh, it was obvious they weren't, they weren't going to let England, you know, have their own way on the Grand Slam day. Or on uh, Super Saturday, and uh, anyway, the thing that caught my eye um, in particular was uh, we may, we may well have seen the last of Jamie Heaslip in that game. Yes, because they, they've got to make room. They've got to, as simple as whatever whoever plays, they've got to make room for Peter Romani because I just think he's a, he's a leader and he's gnarly and he's got everything going for him. Yeah, and, the, and when he's there, the, the balance of the back row looks better, and the <laughs> the oldest player there by quite some margin. I think he's 35. Jamie Heathcliff, so he could yeah. well have been his last last cap uh, the week before against um, us. Yeah, and I think it's it's one of those with with the Irish back row where I think the one of the few positives for Wales at the whole tournament has been the way our back row has has mm. fired and looked like a good balanced back row, and I think that was never more evident than against Ireland actually. And I think yeah, you you might be right that might have put pay to uh, that might have put pay to Jamie Heathcliff. Yeah, well, I mean, it's basically, CJ Stand has taken over as a bigger ball carrier for him, so it just makes sense to have him at number eight. It does, and even, and even Sean O'Brien as a seven, he's not exactly he's not exactly a classic jackal, is he? He's the kind of player who gets through a lot That's of right. dirty work and a lot of ball carrying. Yeah, and it's, and you know they have got proper sevens in uh, Josh Van der Fleer and um, let's make up another name, <laughs> Tom, uh, Tommy. <laughs> Tommy Price? No. No, there is uh, Tommy, Tommy O'Donnell. Tommy O'Donnell is yeah. the one I'm thinking of, yeah. They're both proper open side, so yeah, they, they, they could. He's a, and maybe Sean O'Brien will find himself out of a job next year. Yeah, you might, you might well be right. We're running, uh, running a little bit low on time then, Murph. Uh, anything yeah. else that you wanted, to, you wanted to, to get on air before we wrap up? Um, nothing rugby related. My, my dad. <laughs> uh, <laughs> My dad taught me a lesson in gambling again at Cheltenham. He had a 20 to 1 winner called Patrick DePaul there on Friday. And then, because he's 89, he asked me to go and pick up his winnings. So, 
he doesn't realise it, but I'm not talking to him. Mate, that sounds like uh, that sounds like uh, he's played an absolute blinder as old man Murphy. So yeah, that's probably the, that's probably the best bit to uh, that's probably the best bit to finish on. So uh, yeah, we'll okay. catch up with you next week as always, mate. Right, so that's the thoughts of uh, of the mighty Murphy we always love to catch up with at this time of the week. I think France versus Wales is probably the the best place for us to start. Uh, you know, in what is as we've said there, one of the most bizarre games. I think uh, it's probably best to get a bit of a, a refereeing perspective on this. So uh, this is this is exactly why you're here, Gareth, as a uh, as a qualified referee. Let's start with with Wayne Barnes. He seems to have come in for a bit of stick from from both sides. What did you make of his performance of uh, uh, over the weekend? I'm not sure what else he could have done, to be honest with you, uh, during that period. I mean, it was it was he was trying to speak some French to the French players. Um, he tried to be very clear. Um, I don't think the fourth official helped him very yeah. much at all. Um, I think he could have probably given a, a, another yellow card to Wales. Yeah. I don't think he was in a position to award a penalty try, um, just because I don't think the, the scrum was going backwards sufficiently enough that a try would probably have been scored. Well, this is something I, I kind of mentioned just before we just before we came on air. Do you want to kind of explain that for uh, for the listeners, kind of yeah. when to award a penalty try? You can only really award a penalty try if it would probably have been scored if, you know, if, before the offence was, was um, had taken place. Mm. And I don't think at any time the Welsh scrum was going backwards sufficiently enough. Now, once the board came out the back of the scrum, we were offside quite a lot in yeah. many of the sort of phases... And because we, we'd had so many penalties, you know, around with five metres in the 22, Wayne could have gone to his, to his cards again and issued a card to, to another Welsh player. And obviously, in the act of scoring a try, he did say biggers in the bin, didn't he? Mm. You know, so there would have been a yellow card if he hadn't scored a try. But, I mean, they were definitely going to score a try in the last 10 minutes because they were always on a penalty advantage. So I think, you know, um, and at the end of the day, I think 18 all would have been a fair... A fair results, but it's just seemed a bit of a sickener to have lost. But I'm just glad the game was over after 20 minutes of injury time. <laughs> to be honest with you, it just it just dragged on. You know the whole George North bite gate. You know I don't think. You know I'm not sure what Wayne could have done about that. Really, he has to be sure, right? That has a, a bite. Yeah. A bite has, has happened, and there's three ways a bite can happen on a pit. One, self-inflicted. Yeah. Two, a teammate has done it. Yeah. Or three, it's the opponents. Now, or four, I, an insect. Not a bite from teeth marks from a human. <laughs> Which a, a, a monster. Yeah. And we haven't seen a close-up of the bite, really, have yeah. we? But, no, um, not really. I, very, mean, I think the other player scene is very clear. But to me, there's no reason why George would lie. Yeah, okay. I mean, then there's no way he's got a bite from his own teammate no. because uh, there's no Welsh backs who've got any bite and attack anyway. So, uh, uh, there's no, there's no danger of that happening. I tweeted it, mate. You should have spotted that. You've got to log in. Come on, mate. What are you, you doing? You're doing me no favours. Yeah, clearly, I know. That's why I've been doing get it. Back to it. Get back. That's good. But it wasn't conclusive. The bite. So he couldn't do anything about it on the pitch. He's a barrister, so he knows where he stands with that yeah. sort of thing. And I just think I actually think his communication was excellent. Um, he wanted you know the game to come to its natural conclusion and you know when you're a referee you know every decision in injury time is very material mm. so you can see when the try was scored you can see him busy looking to the sideline because he didn't go to TMO and obviously the assistant or touch judge sorry had seen the ball being grounded checked the touch judge try awarded yeah. and, yeah, that's and, the right, and the right decision of course exactly well. it was 
Do you, do you feel, you know, the penalty try, yes or no, do you feel he was influenced by the lack of the one the first half? Because on 18 minutes where he'd been their winger, yeah. you know, that was, for me, an absolute clear-cut penalty try. And do you feel, you know, we talk about referees evening it up. Yeah. Do you feel that that could have played a part? Um, I think you're right. That was a penalty try. Mm. Uh, a yellow card was right. I mean, obviously, John Davis should have had a yellow card in the first mm-hmm. half. That wasn't a penalty try because you couldn't say for certain or there probably would have been a try yeah. scored then. But, this, you know, George North was in the clear. The number nine for, for France was not near enough to affect George North. And that was a, as a try scored. Yeah. And that actually the only time we looked like scoring a try. You know, and that, that's, you know, we'll come on to that later, but, you know, that was a penalty trying the yellow card. No, fair point. Agreed. The other thing, the other thing you mentioned there is, you know, with Wayne Barnes being, uh, you know, knowing his legalities so well, not just on the rugby pitch, but the other thing was the, the head injury, the bizarre kind of head injury. Uh, I'm going to start with you on this one, Dav. Ever been tempted to, to kind of pull a bit of a, you know, I presume you were the one coming back on to the field, being the supreme scrummager. But ever, you know, ever, uh, ever had to kind of apply a few underhand tactics to uh, to get back on the field or to strengthen the scrum. Well, personally, no. You know, I play fully within the spirit of the game. Yeah, but I, um, yeah, it was rather suspect, and it seemed to be. You know, the further away you got away from the Welsh management and the captaincy, the more honest the answer seemed to get. And I think Jonathan Davis probably summed up the best where, you know, it wasn't right, was it? You know, something's definitely have, has gone on there. And, you know, it has brought the game into into disrepute. Mm. There's no doubt about that. What were you, Dan? What did you make of that whole incident? I thought it was a shambles, to be honest. The French made it, going back to the referee, the French made it so, so, so difficult, didn't they, for Wayne Barnes? Um, they were, yeah, they, you know, so many little tricks they, uh, they used. Um, and I thought, on coming back to Wayne Barnes, I thought he did, he did brilliantly well. I watched mm. it back yesterday, and it was um, he couldn't really have done anything else. Really, I thought he did a it was a great, great refereeing performance from him. Um, but the French, yeah, they need to be they need to be held to account for this, don't they? Really, um, I'm not sure what sort of sanctions they'll have, but you know, something. You're right. Yeah. I think um, there's nothing wrong with Antonio and uh, for him to be replaced by Slimani. But you know, Wayne did exactly the right thing. He asked him, yeah. You know, yeah. the doctor, but. I'm, I'm, not sure, I'm, I'm not sure. I'm not sure because when you say head injury, it's, you know, all the sort of mm, protocols yeah. now are in play. But there was no reason for him to have a head, head injury. He had a problem with his back in the first yeah. scrum. Had a scrum. The scrum didn't collapse properly, but it didn't. Just didn't. Didn't. Uh, they didn't. What? Well, something happened. But anyway, nothing happened to his head. And then doctors on, and they say, you know, and, and I'm not sure he understood the question fully because he just answered yes. Yeah. He heard head. That, Who's that? Well, the uh, doctor. And, all right. Yeah, okay. Yeah. But wouldn't it be interesting if? You had to go off the head injury, and it was a mandatory three weeks off, regardless of whether you had test positive for HI or not. Mm. But, but yeah, you're right. But I think he probably had three weeks off anyway because France <laughs> won. Who cares? Do you know what I mean? You know, that, it's, it's I think most of that pack need, need three uh, <laughs> need three weeks off after after putting in a shift like that. Yeah. But another man who put in a shift, and this for me kind of sums it all up, was was Rob Evans. Was on you know played what ninety five minutes of rugby pretty much. Did you see when he said uh, well, we'll, this, have, we'll take on we'll have any of them? I know this, is, this is my point actually. Yeah. No, I think that's well, great. That's the right attitude for me because Rob right Evans says I don't care who you bring on because the reality did. is is a professional game, and yes, Lamani's a much better scrummager. It won them the game. But sorry for me, if Wales can't deal with a scrum on their own line, admittedly 25 of the bloody things, 
then you deserve to lose the game. I thought Rob Evans had the right attitude in going, it doesn't matter what underhand tactics they're getting at, there's no use in us crying. If we win one scrum and we're able to turn them over, or we're able to defend a couple of phases without them scoring, then then we win the game. Totally agree. And I think the one thing for me that it lacked with that passion he had is he didn't turn around to the other seven guys and get them in the same place. If you think back to the Grand Slam in 2008, when we had that scrum on our line and we turned the ball over, all of the eight were fired up to turn it over. It's all well and good, Rob being the only one. He was fantastic. But we need the other seven. Someone needs to stand up there and be the leader and get them in the same place because it clearly... It wasn't always working harmoniously. Do you think we're missing Alan Jones then? You know, someone, someone like, it's like leadership, right? Yeah. Who are the, you know, the leaders in that scrum at that time? There, there weren't any. And that might be telling. And you're right, you know, one great scrum performance, we win that game. And we had plenty of opportunities to deliver that one good scrum performance. And we didn't deliver. And actually, you know, um, in the whole Six Nations, Wales were the country that lost the most scrums. Mm. Yeah, can't uh, can't disagree with that, fellas. I think if we we kind of move on now and have a little look uh, away from away from the forwards, which kind of was very much very much dominated the game. Um, yeah, Dav seems to have nodded off there, made a, a gesture that he's snoozing. Clearly, didn't think much of the backs then either. Well, it's, it's nothing for me to say. I leave that to you. Uh, you good looking boys. It's been a very long time since. Well, I better come in now than you. <laughs> <laughs> Um, blunt, yeah. Um, it wasn't. It wasn't a great game. The French, the French try was 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 good. Um, they didn't create, after fifteen minutes. They sort of didn't do anything to the, the last or, or to injury time at least. But um, I mean, why, you know, Wales's problem coming to the Six Nations was not scoring enough tries. Mm. Wales's problem after the Six Nations is not scoring enough tries. They scored half the tries that England did. You know, even Ireland, Scotland scored fourteen tries to our eight. It's you know it's, we've learned nothing from the Six Nations about the players. We have tried no one new. It's the same team, and we have and the way we played hasn't changed. So we played France in France. We could have won it, obviously, right? But playing what? You wouldn't have learned anything. No, learn anything the, the, it, 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 it has moved on. It was just it was when had hardly any line breaks. We just an arm wrestle. I yeah, uh, I almost think that it would have papered over the cracks if we'd have got out of there with a with a win. If I'm honest, because I thought it was such a poor performance. Other than the penalty try, we did not look like scoring a try at any point. And all of our points came from the halfway line, courtesy of Lee Halfpenny's boot. Yeah. And How good was he, mind? Kicking, exemplary. Defensively, brilliant. He's on the play. I don't think he is. I think he probably I is. Think I think he is. I think I I'm still not entirely... Sure. Yeah, I, I probably would take him just because of the you know, goal kicking in a tight game. Can, can win you those, those games, but your you can't sexton, win it. Your sexton, you got Farrell. I think it'd be Lions full back as well. No, I think you've got Hogg and Williams who can be full back. And Hogg, Hogg's defence is, 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 is too poor against, against uh, New Zealand. He won't have the same effect for me. Uh, I can't see Gatland, uh, Gatland doing We're going to... Um, <laughs> Gaz, Gaz, we'll definitely get you back for a... Uh, we'll definitely get you back for a Lions special. But as you know, this has been my master plan for a... Um, for a couple of weeks, was to, it was to do a couple of specials on the line. So I don't want to eat too much into uh, eat too much into that now. But one thing we've we've mentioned a couple of times, and it'd be good to get you guys to to have your input on it, is the kind of the continuity within the coaching setup. Aside from Gatland, you know, having headed off for the best part of eighteen months to concentrate on the Lions, you've had a couple of backs coaches in there. Is it right to blame the backs coaches who've been in there to not move it on, or is it actually a fact of 
the the rotation of these coaches is is certainly not helping. Well, the, the attack hasn't moved on, has it? Mm. Uh, we've got you know uh, King, isn't it? Yeah, Alex so, King. Yeah, so moment, he's yeah. another of the Wasps cronies, isn't he? Really? Yeah. So I think um, not that should be casting dispersions on him, but literally the evidence is the number of tries and the way we played, and it hasn't moved on. Um, now we've got Stephen Jones coming to help out in the summer. Uh, with the, and again, we'll have some of our players will be on a plane, so will there be there's the opportunity to try new players and new systems, but you know, you know it's stale. Yeah, I, I think, and you know, same coaches, same voices for eight or nine years. It's that's very challenging, and especially if there's not new players, you know, hearing it. Yeah, it's the same players hearing the same messages, and it seems to be all you see is Sean Edwards celebrating defence. Yeah, we've got to score tries to win games now, and we're not doing that. I think, yeah, I agree. I think in the world outside of rugby, if you think about the CEOs in the city, they do about 10 years on average, don't they? And then they move on mm. and the company changes direction again. And you think about what the, what this Wales coaching team, they've pretty much all universally been together now for, what, eight, nine years? We've had great success and really we've been spoiled to a degree for how successful we've been after the 27-year wait. But I agree, I think, you know, I don't think you can fix our attack by just bringing in one guy. It's a total system rethink, isn't it, to do that? And I think there were glimpses from King that were brilliant. This try that George North saw against Ireland mm. was fantastic. But overall, I think a total rethink needs to come top down. And, you know, we're going to have to wait now, probably until post-Japan. So I think we're going to have to really hope that Alex King can work wonders off the game plan we've already got. Well, I think he, that's, he, that's his he, stint done now, isn't it? So, yeah, yeah. so Steve, Steve Jones will take over in the summer for the summer tour and then post-Lions, it's back to it's back to Howley as a tax coach. Well, he's so. a tax coach for the Lions, isn't he? Yeah, he's a tax yeah, coach for the Lions. That's the problem, though. We've had too, we've had too much chopping and changing, haven't we? If we'd, if we'd had a bit of consistency with, with one of these uh, tax coaches... Well, I mean, um, as in, like, autumn and then Six Nations, that's what... No, I, th- I think the time to change it was post-2015, was post and they've allowed Gatland to, to reappoint his own coaches, which I get... Because you know a head coach should really be autonomous, but yeah, but I mean with the, the attack one... coach, if we if we'd had if we'd had one of these attack coaches maybe sticking with us, for, you know, throughout the autumn mm. and then into the Six Nations, we could we could potentially be in a different situation. But I think but it's just been chopping, chopping, chopping all the way through. It's very, very difficult for anyone. But I think one of the things you know, I wasn't aware that Alex King was on such a short term yeah. deal. But you know, think about that New Zealand coaching team that won the first World Cup not recently. You know, they rotated round, didn't they? Hanson didn't always do the forwards. They all changed roles at one point. You know, is it time for Howley to maybe do, do something else in the setup and King to stay as the attack coach? Is it a bit easier to do the fine tuning when you've got the kind of backs and the, the the ball skills that New Zealand have got? Well, it is, isn't it? Really, I mean, as much as you know, I, I admire a lot of these players. You wouldn't say it's the most instinctive Welsh backline that you've ever seen. Am I right saying that? Yeah, I don't think it is the most instinctive, but I quite a few people have been commenting about their basic skills. I. I I still find it hard to believe that their, their skill levels aren't aren't that aren't mm. good enough. I, they, they must be. It's just a lot of it. A lot of it's down to a lot of it's got to be down to the coaching and and picking picking players that are in form. You know, so much comes from from, from when you're in form. Right? Which falls with the head coach, right? That's that's yeah. the head coach's primary role is to make is to get selection right. Yeah. But he's he's never been in a in that primary role, and he's learning on he's learning on the job. Yeah, and there's yeah. no there's no kind of more. There's no role that you get scrutinised more for selection than really than being Wales head coach, possibly uh, yeah, New Zealand. I, yeah, I think that, but I think his demeanour is just not. It doesn't exude confidence to mm. me. He's, he looks quite down and sort of stressed by the responsibility, in my opinion. And 
and you know that must feed through to the you know when the when the players who probably watches press conferences and hear it and they hear Rob Howley speak, he's just a bit dour and mm. looking stressed and there's no no confidence. I don't you don't need you know arrogance like Eddie. You just need you know confidence. That's something we comment we we talked about in yeah. a couple of weeks couple of weeks just, back know, the way he holds himself. Yeah, but. I think that's really really important. You know, I think. Um, I think it's quite telling, though. We talk about the backs there, right? It's quite telling. If we have to bring back Cuthbert, right, for England, then that is enough. Someone had no confidence, and we had no confidence as a coaching unit to bring new players in. Yeah. And that is telling. You know, we had to do it then. We didn't do it. So it's like very conservative selection of people we know, and and therefore conservative the way we play. Dave, if you were uh, if you were head coach, let's say you'd you'd been. You know the, the appointment that we were all crying out for, rather than highly taking the job. If uh, if you'd have had this for the autumn and and for the Six Nations, would you have done things differently in terms of selection? I think hindsight's a, a wonderful thing, isn't it? I think some you know some of the people we persevered with, like George North, have come good. Mm-hmm. But I agree, someone like Cuthbert actually, you know, have gone from sort of relatively negative reviews about him to people just feeling sorry for the yeah. guy and that must be the worst for him of all the sort of emotions so I think for me yes there's things in hindsight that we could have done better but you know George came good and a couple of other players like Jonathan Davis improved throughout the tournament but mm. for me a couple of people it would be nice to have a look at some on the wing and it doesn't have to be just Keelan there are other players yeah. who are pushing there and I think you know up front as well would we made some slightly different decisions in that last 20, 30 minutes of the French game, maybe, but our hands were slightly tied because of all the injuries we had. So perhaps is the answer. I I think even with the most ultra-conservative Rob Howley hat on, there are little tweaks that you could look at. I mean, even the first game, like Italy are absolute garbage. And I'm not saying make wholesale changes to that side, but having James King on the bench rather than having a look at a Cracknell or a, a Thomas Young, you think, really, you can't even afford them 20 minutes against Italy. And the same thing happened in the autumn, so, I mean, my thoughts on it are... Yeah. Are well, we were all so excited before the Six Nations got to go in to see a lot of these new players, and we've, we've seen, we haven't we seen did, any We did them, nothing. We? we did nothing. You know, you're right, George North came good, but, mm. you know, you know, that's great, you know, great news. But, you know, we, you've spoken about this on the podcast before, but, you know, putting Williams at 15, half penny on the wings, he's yeah. a kicker, that'd been great... You could have tried bigger at twelve. Davis at ten. You know all all the different things. Do you know what I mean? Put Williams at thirteen, or drop Davis, or, or leave Davis at thirteen. Owen Williams. You could have tried him at twelve. You mm. know, just, and we just we finished fifth, right? And, and so obviously, international rugby is about fine margins, right? We could have lost the Ireland game. We could have won the England game. Yeah. We're crap against Scotland second half. Uh, a poor game against France. We're crap against Italy first half. Yeah. Really. So it's, you know, so it's, but it is, you know, it could be. But um... one, sorry, Dan, just one thing. You know, it, it's. I say international rugby is very, very difficult, and only one team won a game away from home if you exclude Italy, and that was England, in Wales. Yeah, and that was it, and that was on a dodgy kick. Do you know what I mean? And so then world class rugby. People talking about trying the tournament being George North against um, Ireland. You know, against Ireland, but to me, it was you know the way that. Ford, Farrell and Daly. Yeah, under pressure. Daly. But that, well, that, yeah. that pass under pressure, Daly did not break stride yeah. and took it. You know, you, you, you oh, hardly so ever fast. see that. Yeah. How many times do you see players taking the ball and just sort of break, take the ball? And this is about core skills under pressure. You don't see that very often from New Zealand. It's always in front of them. Yeah. Two hands getting it, so they, keeping the element of doubt with the defenders. And you know, that's, that's what you've seen from New Zealand. You don't see that much 
in the Northern Hemisphere. Well, that was a great try and pass. I Norway. thought even when Wales scored tries, they looked as though they weren't. You watch the replay and think, oh, they're not going to score it this time. You know, when Liam Williams scored against in Scotland in the first half, well, half penny just looked and passed it straight to him. It yeah. hadn't been a five on two. Yeah, he didn't he draw the man at all, did he? No, exactly. No. Yeah, they give it to him. If that was a training yeah. exercise yeah. with with the London, <laughs> London Welsh Amps, you'd make them do it again. London Welsh under the thirteens would not make that mistake. I can assure you that now. <laughs> it, it is a classic Welshism, though, isn't it? That the grass is always greener. Yeah. I mean, we love talking about the latest hot talent. You know, James Davis was in the Tom Young shoes. Yeah. What two years ago, and then he took his gap year in South America and hasn't really come back. But you know, I think. You know, really, you know, we love talking about um, the, you know, talking about the new players, and yes, there's definitely need for some fresh blood. But I think we need to balance that with a pragmatism that if we had pipped France on Saturday and England had turned up in Dublin, we would have been fourth in the world. And actually, going into the next World Cup, who would have cared about the Six Nations mm-hmm. performances if we got a draw? They were simple. But we're not fourth. We're, but we, you know, that's that's a false measure of how good we would have been. So I don't care about world rankings. I, would, I cared about being in the top four for the for the World Cup draw. I do I do care about that, but we we didn't deserve it. We don't deserve to be fourth in the world. Well, this this was going to be my next thing: is how alarming should a fifth place finish in the Six Nations be? Dan, you've been very quiet there for once. Mm, pretty measured this evening. <laughs> enjoying enjoying other people having a chat. Um, I, th- I think it was a great tournament um, and. It could have been, you know, it could have finished so differently, couldn't it? If uh, you know, if we if we nicked that nicked that England game, and um, you know, Scotland, we, we we probably probably should have had that as well. So if we'd have won um, the games we lost, it would have been quite good, wouldn't it? Yeah, but they were, <laughs> it was on such fi- it was such fine margins, yeah, wasn't it? Really, yeah. um, I I'm not that I'm not that alarmed by it to be honest. It was when we look at the Six Nations, can you, is, it, is it easy to say who was the best side? I don't think it, I don't think it is. Um, at all, really? I mean, really? Yeah. yeah. I, I, don't I don't know. I, I don't think the table lies on this occasion. I think England were the best but side threat. Best side, though. but they looked average at times, though. But they won. But to go back to your point, fine margins. But a lot of the sides looked average at times. Mm. You know, or, or poor. You know, it was, it was, it was, it was, it was a funny. It was, a, it was a great tournament. But when you look at the performances, there was a lot of poor. There was a lot of poor performances. Isn't it? It great because the games were close. Yeah, I mean, close, not great yeah. in terms of skill level. Then Did no, you say that. No, great tournament. Then yeah. you know. Really, uh, you know, if you're, if, spectacle. Yeah, yeah, if you're there, you know, if you're there at the at the, at the grounds, you, you you would have had a, a great, great, you know, a great time, great event. But looking back at them, you're not going to be watching those games and saying, "Bloody hell, those are brilliant, outstanding games." Apart from a couple of them. Okay. Um, well, you know, Scotland. Yeah. I went to England Scotland game with the misses, right? Um, and you go to every game of international. I went, rugby, to, I went to two Wales games, <laughs> the home games. I went to the England Scotland games, um, and. That was obviously loads of tries, yeah. but the, as a spectacle, it was poor because there's no jeopardy. Mm-hmm. And that's the beauty of the, the, many, the England-Wales game, so the Wales-England game and the Wales-Ireland game. You didn't know it was going to win that until the last two minutes. And that, that's what's so good. And those games, were, the atmosphere was brilliant. It was a bit flat because all the Scots were yeah. halfway through the second Scotland half. Scotland was so, so poor. I mean, yeah. they were absolutely abysmal. I know England, England were made to look good there, in my opinion. I thought they were... Yeah, I didn't really say it last week. It, Scotland turned up too fired up. Lost their head early doors and then lost their back three to injury and it yeah, was just they were lambs to the slaughter. Then it was just downhill from the second minute, wasn't it? It was right. Just to um, just to kind of finish then on this on this kind of fifth place finish. Reese Webb said this week that Wales were better than fifth place indicates. Do you think that is a true statement? Start with you, Gareth. Um, no, I don't think they were. I, I'm, I'm glad 
we've finished fifth because it just doesn't it doesn't hide how how poor we are. Then I think, yeah, I appreciate we could have a couple of decisions or results could have gone our way, but mm. no, I wouldn't have minded to finish fifth and we tried some more players out. Then you could sort yeah. of understand we've developed something, we've done nothing and finished fifth. I see. And that, that's that's why you know if you're going to evolve your game and try people, then it doesn't matter because it's just a one Six Nations and the goal is to be you know like Eddie Jones says all the time the date and time mm. in November in Japan in 2019, but for us we've tried to play the same way with the same players and finish fifth, and that's why it's really disappointing. For me, our defence didn't deserve a uh, fifth place finish. I thought defence was was. Was very very good. Doesn't win your games, Dan? Does no, it? No, but our defence was good, and our, well, commi- and our you... commitment at times was was bang up there. But our attack was uh, was probably. Sixth, but I think if you you know if your defence switches off as it did in the second half against Scotland, um, and as it did for those that crucial moment against against England, you know you've got to be absolutely on your game for eighty, yeah, ninety, hundred minutes. I don't know whether it was a collective defence. There was it was. A, a couple of individual errors. Ref didn't help us as well, and um, you know it led to it led to that second half. Uh, what do you reckon, Dav? Wales better than than fifth place? So I tend to agree that the table doesn't doesn't lie. Mm. I feel that we probably deserve fifth. So as a Welshman, I am you know, absolutely gutted that we finished fifth, especially when deserving or not, fourth in the world is on the line. Yeah. The one thing I'd say as a sort of rugby spectator and fan is I'm delighted at the tournament. Actually, we can produce a couple of performances. And yet still, we're only good enough to finish fifth. In 2008 or 12, you know, there were three or four pretty ordinary games. And the standard of the tournament has come on leaps and bounds since then. So actually, in a new, in a new way of, you know, sport is a meritocracy. Actually, hopefully that pushes us on in future years. Because you can't just assume that if you have all the blues away as Wales, you yeah. go to Scotland, go to Italy and get the guaranteed wins and focus on the French game and then Ireland England at home. If the tournament gets better because the competition is better... Then hopefully the all the teams are set to benefit, and you've seen that in the try and now the rugby championship. You know all those teams lift themselves because they play better quality teams week in week out. That's a brilliant point, I think, because um, you know it's great that Scotland have got better. Yeah, it's great that France got better. So it's a better tournament for those teams being stronger. Yes, it's harder for Wales to win those games, but it's you know as a spectacle, I think that's a fantastic thing for rugby. What about you, Dan? Yeah, totally agree. Totally agree. It's so much more, com- so much more competitive, isn't it, than uh, than it ever has been. And um, yeah, like I said, I thoroughly enjoyed, thoroughly enjoyed the tournament. What did you, what did you think of it then? Uh, I don't know. I'm so one-eyed sometimes that I find it hard to enjoy any tournament where Wales are, are playing that badly. I, you know, I, I struggle to pick out the positives. It looked like a really disjointed Wales. Taking that hat off for a minute to kind of go to Dav's point about. Being a you know a rugby fan, it was a better tournament than it than it has been. And as much as it pains me to say it, you need a strong England and a strong Ireland and a strong France. And seeing a strong Scotland was a kind of a real resurgence. The fact that Wales have gone backwards and Italy have gone even further backwards has probably tainted that slightly. But yeah, no, I, I agree. I think it, it is a better spectacle. And if you're going to have bonus points and things like that, because to me the league table never meant anything unless you were first in it. I didn't really care whether Wales finished third or fourth. It's like, oh, we finished second for a couple of years. No one cares. Unless you win it, it doesn't really matter. But I think with it being much more competitive, I think the bonus points have probably added a little bit to you wanting to be that little bit higher up. Yeah. Grand Slams, we were spoiled, weren't we? Not just Wales, but spectators. You know, Ireland won a Grand Slam. France won a couple in the, in the mid-noughties. 
actually, you know, Grand Slams are special things. And, you know, if yeah. the bonus points and whatever help people win tournaments without the Grand Slam, when one does roll around, it's going yeah. to be magnificent, yeah. isn't it? Who were the only country not to get a try bonus point? Presumably Italy. Wales. Did Italy get a try bonus no, point? probably not, but Wales right. are the top five. <laughs> right. so, yeah. OK, right, yeah, yeah. yeah. As I mean, yeah, Italy's on right off. Sorry, I shouldn't do that really, but it was... It's Wales. Yeah. Well, again, that, that kind of that sums it all up, really. Yeah. So, can, where, I, can I ask a question? Yeah, sure. Um, if you had to pick, you know, two or three players at, from Wales who've had a good Six Nations, who are those, and, and, and which two or three players have gone backwards as well okay. from the Six Great Nations? Great question. Yeah. Do you want to fill this yeah. one, Dan? Yeah, I'll happily take that. Um, Sam Warburton played very, very well. Agreed. Justin Tipperick mm-hmm. has been for me outstanding. <sighs> outstanding. Watching the watching the. Watching the games back, he's done a hell of a lot. A hell of a lot. It's the blue um, lid. You can see him. <laughs> I think I, defensively, yes. I'm yeah. not sure we see much of him in attack. Yeah, it's because he's had to do so much in defence yeah. to cover to cover other people's um, errors. But, we made so, the most tackles in Six Nations. Well, I did yeah. read up on the Accenture yeah. website today, so a few yeah. stats he's, in there, but we made the most tackles out of any yeah. nation in the Six Nations. Yeah, genuinely looking back at it, he was, he was right up there. Um, and and I thought Ked Owens as well played played very very well. A little bit iffy in the uh, in the French game, but he performed well. Um, players that have gone backwards, was it? Yeah, yeah. Well, but when you take this one, David, so, players do you think have gone backwards? This so time? I'm actually to take a coach because actually I think there's a bit of good and bad in some of our coaches. And for me, going into the France game, I saw a stat roll up on the screen for Ken Owens. So he'd hit 98. percent of mm. lineouts there, and we only missed two in the entire French game. Yeah. So I think actually our lineout, to be fair to Rob McBride, yeah. has improved. Flip side, obviously our scrummaging hasn't always, has been a bit of a Achilles' heel in the tournament. So I think the good and the bad of Rob McBride there, but players to go backwards for me. I think you know Jake Ball has been a great guy in terms of the effort he puts in, mm. and I think you know he's tried incredibly hard. But is he really at the very top level in terms of like comparing him to Launchbury, Laws? Etoji, etc. He's probably not. So I think if he hasn't been found out, he's definitely found his level. I think he's probably slightly below international. Okay. Um, and for me, the more biggest disappointment in the tournament, and maybe it's just because they asked him to do a role he, he can't do, is Scott Williams. You know, asking him to track it up in the Jamie Roberts yeah. role rather than play more expansively. He looked, you know, until that try against Ireland, I thought he really looked uncomfortable. And what, you know, and what was good? France, he was poor. Wasn't he? he was very poor against France. And yeah, and what was good about the try against Ireland? Was actually it was passing the ball rather than than trucking it up. So you know if you're going to truck it up, you may as well pick Jamie Roberts. Um, yeah, I can't can't kind of disagree with that. I'd, just to add to that, a couple of players who I think have gone backwards. I, I don't think Jonathan Davis has fired at all in this tournament. I think he's looked like a player out of form. Made that big break against against Scotland and then couldn't finish it. I said against the England game, you know he looked to go wide when he's probably the greediest player you'll ever see. But it normally Normally, he, he kind of finishes them off. So, I've not been... You know, personally, for me, I wouldn't take Jonathan Davies on the Lions. It's um, difficult for him, though, isn't it? Coming in with no game time and no form. Well, again, don't pick players who are yeah, out of form, you know. Exactly. That's, yeah. that's the, the, the moral of the story for me. But we don't have... Well, we, you know, do we have... Uh, how many options do we have? At, at, not a centre, not at the very highest mm-hmm. level. We, we, you know, we can list a few players that we'd like to see that play well at, at club level. But, you know... and. That may be why we don't see too many of the players that we want to see coming in. We love mentioning them. You know, we always do, don't we? But when they're out there training, yeah, how, are, they, are they looking? Are they are they exposed? Are they looking awful. Well, no, we we don't know. And that's Perhaps kind they of, are. And that's why they're not picked. That's kind of the, the luxury we're afforded as as fans. I just want to finish quickly then on 
um, a couple of things in the very in our first Six Nations preview, we both made or between us we made six bold predictions, and I just wanted to kind of recap on this. I kept this scrap of paper in my bag, which I haven't looked at. One thing I got right was that Wales are finishing in fifth place, which I'm obviously not pleased about, but was kind of on the money with that. My other predictions have been absolute garbage. I predicted there'd be minimum three red cards. Was there one? No. 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 Um, predicted Tommy Seymour would be top try scorer. He bagged one, maybe. I think top he bagged try one. scorer was three tries, I think. Was it? Oh, okay, yeah. right. So well. I think Lee Williams and George North are in there. He crossed, he crossed a couple of times. And Joseph. Joseph and Standard. Joseph. Yeah, yeah, yeah Joseph. Yeah, Joseph. They both got hat tricks in the well, and I also said England to drop Mike Brown, which they didn't. Oh my God. Um, there was, I think there was books running on when he's going to pass the game. At one stage, it was the 52nd minute when he passed the still, ball. Still making so many yards. Oh, oh, who cares? Who cares? Oh, I know, but he is. It's just like it's open. It's yeah. like open 40 yards in front of you. Is he on the plane? Plan, you're going to make... No, he's not. Just I, be careful, no though. He's a very angry guy. And yeah, find out where you live. I think I, I, I said this. I'm pretty close to here, is he? I met him a couple of years ago, and he was the most softly spoken. Seemed like a you know the complete yeah. antithesis you know one of those white line fever kind of guys. Absolutely competitive, isn't he? Meanwhile, Killick has uh, has kind of looked all right. You went England to lose two games, which they didn't, but they did lose one. So I mean, you're not a million miles away from there, and they could have lost the um, yeah. they could have lost the Wales game, which were the two you predicted. You also said Warbs would win Player of the Tournament. I'll come back to that in a second. And you said Wales centres to fire, which. Okay, probably probably not right on that one, but we've kind of covered that one. Let's come to the player of the tournament because I'm, as you know, I'm not interested in stats. Uh, I'm interested in opinion and uh, general kind of one-eyed passion on this one. So I want each of us to kind of finish on your player of the tournament, regardless of stats and things like that. Dav, you look pretty confident on this one. Who is it? So mine is, and he's pulled himself right into Lions contention. Joe Launchbury. His work rate around the park has been fantastic. The way he hits each and every ruck is just a joy to see. When he's running in open space, he looks like a drunk giraffe. And you have a couple of mile matches to back it up. For me, he's definitely on the plane to New Zealand. And uh, he's been a real revolution. Who would have thought 12 months ago that George Cruz wouldn't get back in that England squad? What a player. Mm, great shout. Gareth? Um, I agree with you, but I'm not going to say that, say Joe. Um, I'm probably going to go... Um, with Sam Warburton. I think yeah. he's had a really, really good series. And I'll maybe bias that sort of thing, but I think he's done so well. This is putting in contention now to be the captain of the Lions. I really think that. You know, you know, he's probably paid better for Wales because he hasn't been captain. But he's just got that sort of statesman-like, um, I don't know, uh, attitude, behaviour. And he really has... Lead by example type thing, isn't he, it? He really, ha- he really has. In a, in a team that hasn't really performed that well, I think he's been a, you know, a shining light in that team. Damn. Elliot Daly. Good shout. Um, okay. These, are, these are all really three good shouts that are leaving me somewhat stumped, but go on. He, he is some player. I mean, you've just got to have him in the back line in a position. Um, absolute shoe in for the Lions. Um, Squad. Great finisher, yeah. As a, I, you know, a bench player because he can cover positions, can't he? Yeah, I'd like I'd, I'd like to see him. I'd like to see him start. I, um, yeah, I personally, just, for I, me, if I, I was picking the Lions test squad tomorrow, he'd be on one of the wings. I, for I me. just think he's that good that he has to be involved. Mm. Um, and you could you could pick him in a number of positions, but yeah, probably probably somewhere in the wing, just because of the the centre combos that we probably we probably go with. He would he wouldn't he could feature there, but he wouldn't. And he's just I just love seeing him. He's got a kicking game. He, you know, he looks up. He's quick. He's rapid. He's just a top top player. Right. I I don't know what on earth that's left me with because they're three <laughs> outstanding shouts there. 
Um, I'm just going to have to do honourable mentions, I think, for uh, for other players who've kind of stood up because, yeah, launch previews undoubtedly would be, would have been mine. Um, I know we've all kind of talked about Hogg's frailties, but he's excited me a lot. I think Sexton in the games he's come back has looked back to mm. his has looked back to his best. And even though he's only had one game, I thought Peter Armani was brilliant on yeah. uh, on Saturday. Armani was outstanding, was he's, he's he's probably going now. Well, this is it. I mean, back row. God, we could sit. We could have a, a podcast dedicated just to just to uh, to back row players. So stay tuned for that one because that'll be coming up in a couple of weeks' time. Uh, that pretty much brings us to a conclusion of part one. As always, if you want to get in touch with us and let us know what you think on your player of the tournament or anything else that you wanted to to chat to us about, let us know on Twitter at Attacking Scrum or search for us on Facebook, Attacking Scrum. And as always, if you want to leave us a review, that would be hugely appreciated. Loads coming up in in part two. We'll speak to you in a sec. Podcast Network.